I want to show you a picture this morning of a man named Raymond Edmond. He was a missionary, a college president, an educator, and an author. And Billy Graham once called him the most unforgettable Christian that he ever met. Edmund served as a chancellor of Wheaton College for many years, and he died of a fatal heart attack in 1967 while preaching a chapel service at Wheaton, and his topic was worship. And so the morning that uh, Raymond Edmund shared with his listeners a personal story about how he met with the king, the actual king of Ethiopia, a few years earlier. And in order to have an audience with the king, he had to observe some very strict protocol. And if he didn't meet and follow through on each criteria, then he wouldn't be judged worthy of coming into the king's presence. And so Dr. Edmund drew a parallel that morning with attending these weekly weekday chapel services at Wheaton. And he said, you have an audience with the king of kings. Dr. Edmund wondered if those in the audience really comprehended this awesome opportunity, this awesome act of worship. And he went on to offer practical suggestions of how to take chapel more meaningful, how to, how to come into a better realization of being in the transforming presence of God. And just like that, in the midst of his very wise and godly counsel, Edmund himself was taken from among them. He had gone to meet the Lord face to face, and it was the last and greatest sermon illustration that Raymond Edmund ever shared. His life was spent in worship and missions and education and preaching, and in his death, he was instantly in the presence of God. He was talking about how you can come into the presence of God when he was immediately ushered into it. And so for the next four weeks, We are going to study the word of God um, and what it has to say about worship. Pastor Quint and I will tag team this series, and we are so excited to go deeper, specifically in the book of Psalms, that teaches us how to come into the presence of God. We are hopeful that that sermon illustration Raymond Edmund have, we aren't planning that one, just so you know, but... We do want to have practical application of this series, and the practical application is worship. And so this morning we came in and we, we had a shorter uh, moments of worship because our plan is that every Sunday in this series that we will talk about worship and then we will um, apply what the Word of God says. And so at the end of service today, we will have more time that we can enter into worship. So I want to remind you, I want to encourage you these next four weeks, you want to get here on time. You want to get in the door once you get here because you don't want to miss any moment of worship that you can have. You don't want to miss a thing. We also, at the end of this series, which will be June 2nd, um, we're going to have a worship night right here in the sanctuary at 6.30. Um, And so all of the things we're learning, all of the practical things we're gonna learn about worship, we're gonna be able to execute and express that evening. It'll be strictly just a time for us to enter into worship and praise to God. And so we're really excited about that. So mark your calendars. But let's start um, this series in Psalm 100. That's where I'd like to start this series. So if you have a Bible or something on your Bible app, you can turn into it. We'll also have it on the screen. But this psalm 
is really a literary masterpiece, and it, it does not contain a concept that is not expressed elsewhere in the Psalms. So in a lot of ways, this is the summary of the Psalms coming together. And its premise is that God is willing to meet us anywhere, any place, and any time, but we need to come into his presence with a prepared heart. God is willing to meet us anytime, anywhere, any place, but it is up to us to come into his presence with a prepared heart. Like the, the chapel preacher, Dr. Raymond Edmond said, the protocol he had to walk through to get to the king uh, gave him certain criteria. That is the same with us. We need to prepare our hearts to come into the presence of God. And there's spiritual protocols of how we should enter into worship. And Psalm 100 shows us this pathway into God's presence. So let's read it together, Psalm 100. It says a psalm for giving grateful praise. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever and his faithfulness continues through all generations. So turn to the person next to you and tell them one verb you heard in that psalm. One action that you heard. All right, so the first thing that we need to know when coming into the presence of God, according to Psalm 100, is shout for joy to the Lord. Shout for joy to the Lord. Now, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. That's the first verse. This is a repetition of Psalm 98.4 and Psalm 66.1. And when God says it three times, do you think we should listen? The original word signifies a glad shout or to give a blast as on a trumpet, kind of like how loyal subjects give when their king appears before them. It's a trumpet blast. It's an indication, oh, God is here. We're excited. Now, we don't see royalty very often in our culture, but um, for us, it would kind of be the concept of, of like when we see a celebrity or when we see an athlete. Um, when I was in my early 20s, I went to Darien Lake I was a youth group sponsor, and so I was responsible for all of these teenage girls, and we were waiting in line on a roller coaster with hundreds of other teenage girls waiting on this line for this roller coaster, and all of a sudden, um, they all started shrieking, piercing screams. I had no idea. What, I thought it was like a, a, a terrorist attack or a mouse or something. You know, what would make teenage girls shriek? I had no idea, and all of a sudden... This group of security men ushered all the way to the front and cut the line to put the boy band in sync on the roller coaster ahead of us. And all the girls were trying to touch them and screaming. And then I understood what was happening. When we come to worship, we often don't get as excited to meet with the God of the universe as we do about a famous football player or a boy band or someone famous. And so when we come to worship, our agenda is to meet God, and God's agenda is to meet us. And we are not raising our voices to draw attention to ourselves. The idea isn't we need to have other people hear us or draw attention to ourselves. We shout for joy because the Lord himself is among us. And that is exciting. 
That is exciting. Exuberant, joyful praise. <laughs> Exuberant, joyful praise is the opposite of apathetic, heartless mouthing of words as you look at the screen. It, it, it is on the contrary, it's this joyous praise that comes from the heart when you realize what God is and what he's done. And shouting joyfully to God and singing his glory makes his praise glorious. This isn't just um, simply getting pumped up because the rest of the group is enthusiastic or you're excited about the catchy beat that the worship team brought. It is this overflow of our captivation by God. It's this overflow. And the psalmist, I just love this, he is not satisfied with our declaring God's praises moderately. Come into the temple, clap if you want. That's not what he says. He insists that we celebrate God's goodness in the same measure proportionate to his excellence. Proportionate to his excellence. All right, let's go on to verse 2. It says, come before him with joyful songs. So this particular, I want to focus on the word songs. Now music is this form which we often express our gladness, our joy, our praise. Um, this is important because here's why. The songs that we sing are not to create our gladness, but they are to express it. All right, let me say that again. The songs we sing are not supposed to make us feel a certain way toward God. They are supposed to express how we already feel. And so the work of worship happens the six other days of the week before you arrive to sing corporately. If you come here and expect, um, just like, stir me up, like give me something to feel, <laughs> that is an impossible expectation However, if you come to say, God, I am here to express the gladness that I already have in my heart toward you. There are 575 references to praise, singing, and music found in the Bible. So from the beginning of time, music has been an essential link between God and his children. And throughout history, it has played an important and essential um, part of our worship to God. And so music is 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 a vehicle that stirs our hearts, but music is not worship. I really want you to understand that this morning. Music in itself is not worship. It is just part of the protocol that prepares our heart and stages us for the encounter with God. Music is a sacrifice of praise, not a synonym for worship. John MacArthur wrote this, and I, I fully agree with it, and it says, music and liturgy can assist or express a worshiping heart, but they cannot make a non-worshiping heart into a worshiping one. And the danger is that they can give a non-worshiping heart the sense of having worshiped. So the crucial factor in worship in the church is not the form of worship, but the state of the hearts of the saints. If our corporate worship isn't the expression of our individual worshiping lives, then it is unacceptable. And Jesus made the same distinction and John MacArthur just said it in a different way, but Jesus talked about inner worship and outer worship. And in Matthew 15, eight through nine, he said, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He said, they sing, they make music to me, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And so what Jesus is saying is when we simply sing the songs and they are just words to us, worship amounts to zero. That's what vain means. It means empty. It means zero. That is not worship. That's zero worship. 
That is a waste of time, really, because it is zero if there is no heart dimension to it. So you can sing as many songs as you want. You can go to as many church services as you want and never actually be worshiping if it's all external and nothing is moving in your heart toward God. And Jesus is very clear about this, that all true worship is an essence of a matter of the heart. Okay, let's look at verse 3. Psalm 103 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So we're talking about shouting for joy. We're talking about coming before God with joyful songs. And now the psalmist says, don't just do it with your voice. Don't just do it with your emotion. But he says, acknowledge God with your mind. It's like when a soldier walks into a room and salutes his general. He acknowledges, you're the general. Or when a subject curtsies to a king before um, and approaching a throne. We have to acknowledge that Jesus is our savior and submit to him as Lord. In worship, we remind ourselves who God is and who we are. That he is the creator, we are the created. He is the shepherd, we are the sheep. He is the supreme commander, we're his people. We are completely dependent on him for everything. He has the plan and the directions and the map. You just get to sit in the car. In other words, he is God and we are not. And acknowledging God is the intellectual side of our worship protocol. Mentally, we acknowledge God of the universe. And I just want to encourage you, maybe when you're entering into worship, sometimes it's hard. You're kind of going from um, spilling coffee in your car, yelling at your kids, making sure your shoe fits, and then you walk in the door. You, know, you kind of stumble in. And now you got to look around and see who's here and you know, figure out, did I miss this? And it's difficult to sometimes engage into worship. But I want to encourage you, do it this way. Begin by thinking about the facts. Okay, begin by thinking about the facts. God, you are in this place. That's a fact. God, you are my creator. That's a fact. God, I am living and breathing and in this room today because of your provision. That's a fact. You are in control of all things. You, you died on a cross in my place. That's a fact. You rose again in three days to defeat evil. That's a fact. You love me. You, you want me to obey you and love you with my whole life. That's a fact. And then we don't just worship God with all our hearts, but the scripture says we have to worship him with all our minds. And so if you have a difficult time easing into worship. I would encourage you to start with that. Just start thinking about the facts. What do you know about God? Acknowledge who he is. Psalm 104 continues, and it, it says, then enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Now, I want to show you a picture. Um, this is a temple, the temple diagram. And the, the gates, the psalmist is actually referring to here our physical gates, they were part of an outer wall that surrounded the temple grounds. And everyone entered the temple complex through the gates. Okay, you can see. Now here in this particular picture, the gate beautiful is the one that you can see the most clearly. And so what it's saying is as we enter into the temple, as we enter into God's presence, we must enter his gates with thanksgiving. And so here the, the psalmist wants us to remember, thank God for what he's done. Thank God for what he's done. And once you're through the gates, 
The worshiper enters the courts of praise. And in this particular diagram, you can see the courts of the, of the priests, the court of the women, the court of, of Israel. And it says, with thanks and praise, you move from the outside to the inside. And the, the center there, the most holy place, that is where the presence of God, that's the center of the temple, that is the closest to God the people of the Old Testament could ever experience if they could get all the way there. And so what this scripture is saying is that thanks and praise are your ticket through the gates and into the courts, which gets you the closest you possibly can to the presence of God. And so maybe this week you, you have had this moment, you've thought to yourself, you know, I just... I just can't feel God. I just can't hear God. He doesn't seem to be talking to me. He, he feels very, very far away. And, and it says, um, I, I just don't know how to get into the presence of God. It seems so much easier for everyone else. Well, you know what the, the scripture says? It says, this is how you start. Give thanks. Give thanks. So thank him for things. Start with the little things. Because gratefulness will prepare your heart to worship. So when is the last time you thank God for things in your life? Thank God. That will get you through the gate. And then the scripture says, praise him, because that will get you into the court. Praise him for who he is. Praise him for what he's done. Tell him how good he is, how faithful, how kind, how merciful, how wonderful, how powerful. And the scripture says that this moves us from the gate to the part of the temple that is closest to Jesus. And this is a word picture of what it does in our own hearts today. Thanks and praise moves us closer to the most intimate parts of who God is. So if you want to know God better, if you want to get closer to God, if you have something you've been praying about and you can't seem to find the answer, the scripture says thanks and praise will get you closer to the heart of God. God has chosen to manifest himself in the praises of his people. And David wrote in Psalm 22.3, but you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And it says that God is enthroned in our praises, that he chooses to live there, that our praise creates this atmosphere of worship. So, so let me gently remind you, please do not depend on other people or the worship team or the worship pastor to create the atmosphere for corporate worship. In fact, if you, you aren't contributing by giving thanks and praise to God, then you aren't pulling your weight to create the atmosphere. You can't blame other people. Worship wasn't that good today. Well, what'd you do about it? The thanks and praise that you give is what's enthroning the presence of God. The thanks and praise that each of us give. The beautiful part of this is none of us get a free out on this. We all have to do it. But you know what's beautiful? we all get the reward. Because when each of us do it, we all get to enjoy it. We get to enjoy experiencing God being enthroned on the praises of the people. Now, verse five completes the psalm, and it says, the Lord is good, his love endures forever, his faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, this word love here in this, this particular psalm means a covenant love. It means, it means this, this covenant with God that, that he will never revoke, he will never abandon. You know, we are, our feelings lie to us a lot. 
Sometimes we feel good, sometimes we feel bad, sometimes we feel like people love us, sometimes we don't. But God is not fickle, God is not forgetful. God never breaks his word and he never changes his promise. And so we can read in the scripture, the psalmist wrote the promise of God and we can bank on that promise today. And worship is our attempt with our sort of feeble minds and hearts just to grasp the holiness and the greatness and the wisdom and the goodness and the loving kindness and the truthfulness of God. Now, worship is not, it's, it's not the shouting. It's not the singing, actually. It's not the thanksgiving. It's not the praise. All of those are the pathway, okay? Worship is the encounter with Jesus. All of those things that the, the, the psalmist said is the things that get us to the encounter with Jesus. But it's an experience, it's an encounter with the Lord who is good and faithful and loving toward us. And I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you that every single time you have an opportunity to corporately worship, you also have an opportunity to encounter Jesus. And I want you to know, no song selection, no style, no special effect, no music excellence can stop an encounter with Jesus if your heart is prepared. So we cannot point to those other things. If our heart is prepared, we can have an encounter with Jesus no matter what. Living out Psalm 100 is not easy. And to add more difficulty, almost everything in our society works against focus. Right? We are inundated with a constant stream of distractions that want to take our, our mind's attention and our heart's affection. Our mind's attention and our heart's affection. And the idea of centering our focus, our mind and our heart on anything for, for a few minutes is really an ongoing challenge for all of us. And so as people who worship, we have to prepare ourselves to focus. I really believe it's a spiritual discipline. We kind of need this aggressive resolve to set aside every distraction and set our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, according to Hebrews 12.2. Now, I think it would be great if we could just accomplish this on our own, if we could just stand up and worship and let no distracting thought come into our mind. But the reality is we're human, and so we need God's help. We need to pray and ask God for help with that. And so all through the week, when we come into corporate worship and, and all through the week, this is a prayer that, that I pray, and I want you to borrow it from me this morning. It says, God, I give you my mind's attention and my heart's affection. In fact, would you just say that out loud right now together? God, I give you my mind's attention and my heart's affection. And here's how you can practically do it. When your grocery list pops up in your head in the middle of a worship song, can I get an amen? Ever? Oh, oh, I got to get that grape juice. Or when um, your to-do list is crowding your mind or, or your frustration from a coworker is fogging up your head, go to this. God, I give you my mind's attention and my heart's affection. God, I give you my mind's attention and my heart's affection. When you notice that the worship singer sang the wrong words or the room is a little stuffy or your phone vibrates in your pocket or your favorite sports team's playing and you're just dying to check the score, Jesus, I give you my mind's attention and my heart's affection. I give you my mind's attention and my heart's affection. All of it. All my attention and all my affection. Because isn't that what God deserves? All my attention, all my affection. I think an inability to concentrate or focus during worship can actually literally sometimes be an attack from the enemy of God. Because, listen, if you can't, keep your mind on what's being preached or what's being 
uh, led in worship, you won't gain anything from the word of God. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. But I think most of the time, it could be an attack from the enemy, but most of the time, it comes from years of letting your mind wander and just do whatever it wants to do. And if you find an inability to concentrate or focus during worship or a message, that really could be because you need to develop more of a spiritual discipline in it. It is not natural. I can't be funny all the time. The pressure is too real, okay? But the more time we spend thinking and reading and hearing and focusing on God's word, the more power and ability we will have to do it. And the more revelation knowledge we'll have about it. Have you ever met someone and think to yourself, man, you hear from God all the time. He never talks to me. And it's a little bit frustrating. Well, that person very well may have been in your shoes before, but decided to focus on thinking, reading, hearing, and focusing. Decided to say, God, I give you my mind's attention and my heart's affection. And once you can get yourself disciplined in that, you can hear from God that same amount or more. Because God wants to speak to us. It is not that he's not speaking. It's that often we're in a crowded room with a lot of voices and God's just trying to whisper something to us and we can't hear him. And so when we can uh, identify those distractions and give them our mind's attention and our heart's affection, we'll be able to hear from God more, more often and more clearly. Is there anybody out there that wants that? More, more often and more clearly. So another thing uh, that can hinder our worship is passivity. Um, passivity is the opposite of activity. And it, this is really dangerous because the word of God clearly teaches we must be alert, cautious, and active. That's what it says. Um, perhaps you are taking the stance on worship that you are going to just sit by and passively sort of let worship happen. If God wants to tell you something, he can just... Um, just display it with a giant flashing yellow pointy sign. That's not too much to ask. Like, you're just asking God to do something huge, do something significant. Maybe you feel uncomfortable or awkward engaging in worship. Maybe you grew up in a church that didn't feel like this or look like this, and so you, you don't, really want, don't really understand why people are raising their hands or clapping to the beat. Maybe you feel like you're not a singer. You don't sing, so you kind of sit back and watch, and you opt out, and you let other people sing. Here, here's the problem. Passivity is this kind of general apathy. It's this, it's this laziness, and if our mind is inactive, it gives opportunity for any thought to enter it, and one way to keep the wrong thoughts out of your mind is to keep your mind full of right thoughts, because if you have all the right thoughts in there, those wrong thoughts have no space to live. So keep your mind full of joyful songs to the Lord. Keep your mind full of thanks. Keep your mind full of praise. And I really do believe the longer we do it, the easier it will become. Think about the physical aspect of your body. If you don't exercise for a long time, you get weaker. And then you want to exercise less. If you, if you are not um, disciplining your body, then you ha it takes a lot longer to get back up there. And so you become weaker and weaker. You, you atrophy. And so that's how passivity is. Maybe one week it's, well, I don't really sing, so I'm just going to stand here. The next week you're sitting down. The next week you're not even coming at all. 
And so you cannot live in that passivity. You need to, here's how to break it. Express your worship. Take an intentional risk. I'm just going to put two words up on the screen. Start somewhere. Can I get an amen on that? Just start somewhere. Maybe you never close your eyes during worship. Try it. Don't fall asleep, but try it. Maybe you never, ever mouth the words. Well, just start with the chorus that you're familiar with. Maybe you never, you've never raised your hands. Maybe you've never gotten on your knees. Maybe you've never prayed in between songs. Maybe it's been a while since you sang a new song to the Lord that came straight from your heart or prayed a prayer in your prayer language. Maybe, maybe you've never come to the altar. Maybe you've never moved across the pew to pray for someone next to you. Here's the thing. Challenge yourself to grow in this area. Don't get passive or lazy. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. Maybe that means in your pew, you take like a half a step forward in your pew. I'm okay with that. But do something. Do something different. Don't stay passive in worship. Don't worship the same way you've worshiped for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. The psalmist says that we need to focus we need to not be passive, and we need to give God all our minds' attention and all our hearts' affection. All right, so that was the lecture, and now this is the lab. Would you stand? We're going to worship together as we close this service, which means it's not over yet. So We learned from Psalm 100, shout for joy. Sing joyful songs. Acknowledge God with our minds. Give thanks and praise. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to live that out. I want to remind you, do something different. That means some of you are going to come to the altar that you've never came to the altar before. That means some of you are going to raise your hands, and you've never raised your hands before. That means some of you are going to sing out loud, and you've never sung out loud before. But God deserves all our minds' attention and all our hearts' affection. It's going to take focus. It's going to take effort but it's gonna usher us into the presence of the King, which is the only thing that changes us. Jesus, we come before you this morning. God, I thank you that you've given us access. Lord, access that we don't deserve. Lord, through the presence of God. And I pray this morning as we just worship for these next few minutes, God, that our whole hearts would be laid before you. God, that we could acknowledge with our mind and express with our heart the gratefulness that we have for who you are. God, that today we can be thankful for so many things and Lord, that a gratefulness will give us a good life. God, because as we get closer to you and to your presence, our hearts are satisfied. And so this morning we give you praise. I pray for each person in this room. I pray for bravery. I pray for courage. I pray they would worship in a way they never have before this morning, God. I pray that you would give them the, um, the push to do so, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would, would tug at their hearts. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We, we give you all the honor. We acknowledge you are God in this place. You are God of this room. We acknowledge that you're here today. Father, we acknowledge that, that you died on a cross and rose again in three days and that we can have relationship with you because of that. God, we acknowledge that you are almighty, that you are strong, that you are sovereign. Lord, we stir up, God, the praise in this room and we know that you're here this morning because you're enthroned upon the praises of your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray and it's in Jesus' name we worship this morning. Amen.
with you if that's something that you need.